Chapter Four, Part Two of *The Spring of Joy* by Mary Webb. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Noel Badrian. Beauty, Part Two, The Beauty of Shadow. They seated themselves under the shade of this white thorn, and took their solace. Old Romance. Shadow is one of the easiest to perceive of all nature's beauties. As one may see the charm of a profile for the first time when looking at a silhouette, so one becomes aware of the perfection of a natural outline more quickly by seeing it drawn in one colour. It is much simpler to trace the fairy fretwork of a mountain ash when it lies on the grass in shadow than when the eyes are dazzled by the vivid green and clustering scarlet of berry and leaf against the sky. It has become a blue tree on the green canvas of a field. Without shadow things would seem unreal, unbreathing as figures in a dream, flat, unrelieved tapestry on the walls of the world. With it comes reality and rounded loveliness. It is only the bare winter tree, the barren heart, that are shadowless. The colours of shadow vary with climate and season. They are mauve on ripe corn, deeply black on hot white roads in summer, purple on ploughlands in sandstone country, silver grey on snow. Blue is their prevailing colour, varying from the sapphire of love in a mist to the indigo at the root of a thundercloud. In motion, as well as in tint, these astral bodies of material things have an ever-changing individuality, faithfully following or waiting beside their prototypes. They fit with the birds small winged spirits, and even a bee's wing, so unsubstantial itself, has a faint replica that follows its airy fanning. The shade of a leaf caresses its own flower and its fellow leaf with gentle strokings, and when a cherry blossom falls down the checkered steeps of the tree, a little mournful shadow goes with her. The shade of the tendrilled creeper steals into a room and lies along the floor an emissary from the plant outside that peers in but cannot enter. The somnolent gloom thrown by the massed foliage gives majesty to the summer field, and how splendid on some loud day in the equinox is the sight of the dumb shadows of the shouting, gesticulating trees tossing and bending, lengthening and shrinking over the land. Cloud shadows on a plain are inexpressibly alluring. Some are like a mere breath on a mirror. Others are dark and ominous, passing into the distance only to be replaced by fresh phalanxes, as though some conquering army had gone forth. But they are most stately over mountains, for they alone have power to darken the everlasting summits. Midday, the period of practicality, is fitly unshadowed. Perhaps that is why it is so little glamour. But when the tired labourer returns homeward in the evening, 
he is led or followed by a lengthening shade every tree and hedge sends forth a little mimic to join the ranks the sheep and cattle walk the field with shapes of primeval beasts behind them houses stand half circled in black moats the world is barred with gold and purple now beside the runlets on the hills the pipkins of the mimulus which have stood half full of shadow all day brim over now the sharp clear outline of the western hill steadily ascends its neighbour till all the heather has been quenched except the one line of blood-red at the summit the thick curtain covers that also but it has no power over the immortal heavens then comes sleep and deepens down the world out of shadow comes the dewy morning into it retires the silent dusk out of it one by one we wander our young eyes full of mystery into it we all depart when the noonday heat is past and the labourer returns home if you will go out on some june morning before the earliest bee comes droning by when the stripes of sunlight lie right across the awakening earth you will know the fascination of shadows on such a day they are almost as blue as chicory as a child i remember standing awestruck at the strange beauty of a well-known field in the magic of a june dawn it had a line of tall trees in its eastern hedge and if you watched while the sun rose you saw what had been a wide grey expanse suddenly spanned by swart prostrate giants it was as if with one movement every tree had flung itself upon its face mohammedan wise at the muzain of sunrise perhaps the memory of such fresh delights like dew in the flower cup of life may linger even after the flower is gathered quite early on a summer morning if you look down an ugly street in a busy town you will scarcely know it the rows of houses have ceased to look dull and have become the opposing camps of light and darkness the street is a tessellated pavement of blue and yellow the bush that looks so pathetically inadequate by day throws quite a forest of obscurity and becomes mysterious the shadow of a tree upon any house blesses it weaving with its cool hypnotic gestures a soothing quiet but the place of all human habitations where it best loves to linger is a village street there each life is framed in garden and orchard companies of spirit shapes go trembling up and down the humble walls and roofs all day from the multitude of surrounding leaves in the highway the sunshine sleeps by the shadow of an ivied wall disturbed only once in an hour and then simply turning in its sleep if those other shades the troubles of life have become too dense and shouldered out the light so that the sick imagination sees them as crouching beasts of prey a pilgrimage to such a tranquil place in lilac time may help to set things right again 
in that sequestered road where the whir of a linnet's flight is startling before the first workman comes through the dew you can hardly fail to gather some share of peace there where the wet lilacs fling their fragrance from garden to garden like bridges and the pale images of their massed blossom and heart-shaped leaves lie all along the way questionings will seem a little unimportant the shade-strewn road preaches so sweetly the necessity of interspersed dimness and light by and by a door opens and a labourer goes whistling down the chequered track that is so like his life here even death loses some of its grimness its hideousness of association which is so unnecessary for the imagination sees the highway of mortal existence where it ends abruptly penumbrous flecked with shade from the heart-shaped leaves of the tree of life and the shadow is the sign that we have come at last within the pale of the tree's mysterious whisperings the slightly blurred colours of reflections water shadows are more vivid than reality as if water were a brighter medium than air what they lose in strength of outline through the motion of the current they gain in dreamy charm were ever forget-me-nots half so blue as those that gaze skyward from clear water did you know all the sweetness of flushed wild rose faces until you saw them sleeping in a stream some spell lies on rivers where willows bend over them and transfuse them with tender green with depths of swaying leaf reflections lighter in the centre where the overhanging tracery shows the sky very dark at the sides where the grassy banks are steep and the leaves thick such beauty brings the longing almost a torment to some minds to be absorbed in nature dissolved in it even to the losing of personality perhaps the person who most nearly approaches this oneness physically is a boy who plunges into a green pool in the early morning spiritually the greeks came near it with their legends of maidens melting into laurels or becoming nightingales after death beside a full-flowing river in autumn this longing is strong and urgent coming round a curve you stop with a sudden intake of the breath dazzled by a blaze of glory there stands on the bank and there lies in the flood a tree of beaten gold gently moving against the sky gently quivering in the water flinging largesse of its yellow money into the vistaed gold of its reflection the sun makes each leaf transparent and the whole picture is ardent as the face of some angel of a flaming star as the spirit strives to gather some of the beauty it longs to be less finite less bounded it desires an infinite future in which to reflect universal loveliness when the sun and the wind are abroad together watch the cloud reflections hurrying along with the current of a river or travelling upstream this last is like the striving of two wills for the mastery the froth of the current 
and the foam of the clouds continually cross. In glassy lakes, the surrounding woods meet in the depths of the water and make a strange new world. No wonder there are so many legends of villages and churches under meres, and bells ringing eerily below the water lilies. Looking down into the limpid quiet, where everything is so familiar, yet so alien, the eye sees beyond those mysterious green glades habitations of the water country, twisted of chimney as an elfin chateau, blurred replicas of some cottage on the bank, waving in outline and impossible in perspective. Almost one can see the inhabitants passing at the end of the glades, or a white hand waving from the window of an unsubstantial dwelling. Almost one can see the gleaming arm of some water-maiden, Eigler or Vivian of the lake, beckoning, bare and beautiful, or clad in shining samite. Though there is no Hylas now to be charmed into green silence, no Excalibur to be lifted above the mere, yet there is still magic in these reflections. On calm, hot days, water sends up over bank and tree vacillating, shimmering patterns that waver to the treetop and back again, like flocks of hovering golden birds. Far within clear water dwells the sun's twin brother. There the pale sister of the moon goes sailing. There the stars glimmer, spreading into little moons, shrinking into mere points of light at the will of the water. When we look down into the blueness of some little pool, rejoicing in the bird-like passage of the clouds, and then look up to the wide sky, we realize that the finite is like a lake, which, as far as its capacity allows, mirrors the infinite. And when we see the foreshortened image of a poplar stretched in pale colouring beneath it, we have a sudden vision of time as the faint, straightened shadow of eternity. End of chapter 4, part 2